Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Stocks for beginners. Phil Muscatello and FinPods are authorized reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. Investing is not gambling if you approach it the right way. As an investor, you own shares in a real business. You're not going to the blackjack table and giving your money to the house. You're buying a piece of a real business, making real products and services. And you usually have a long-term goal of getting a good return on that investment. You're investing in the future of business. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. There's a plethora of numbers and valuation techniques when you first start looking at company reports. Is there a simple measure that can help you weed out the losers and focus on stocks that have a better chance of performing well? I'm joined today by someone who believes that free cash flow is one of those metrics. Thanks for coming back on the podcast, Carl Kaufman. Thank you, Phil. It's great to be back. And it's great to have a uh, Bruce Springsteen tragic back on. (laughs) (laughs) Carl Kaufman is from American Dream Investing. We're basing this conversation on a Twitter thread about FCF, free cash flow. So let's just start by explaining what is free cash flow. Free cash flow is the amount of cash that's left over that a company has after it's paid its expenses and its capital expenditures, which are the funds that are reinvested into the company to buy equipment or plants. It's the operating cash flow minus the capital expenditures. Okay. So that's like where the offices are or where the factories are, whatever it's is producing. This is just the, the amount of cash that's coming into the company. Is that right? Yeah. It's a great way of seeing what kind of cash is available to the company after all of its big expenses are taken care of. So they can really be more flexible with how they allocate that cash to shareholders, which I'm sure we'll get into in a minute. So where do you find this number? Where can you see it? There's a statement of cash flows that a company has to report every quarter alongside its you know, P&L income statement and balance sheet. It's very easy for a, an individual investor to find it on a site like Yahoo Finance or Morningstar or whatever financial app you use for numbers. So you mentioned a favorite quote of yours. Profit is opinion, cash is fact. What does this mean for beginner investors and how does it align with the focus on free cash flow? So earnings can be massaged by very good accountants. There are certain line items that can be messed around with, if you will. So for instance, inventory or accounts receivable, especially between quarters, uh, a company can report earnings that have account receivables, which is the money that's due to come in, or account payables, which is money that's due to come out. And they can kind of push it to the day after the quarter ends, 
or the day before the quarter ends, depending on what kind of earnings they're looking to show. And a great book to that goes into that is called Financial Shenanigans by Howard Schillett. Highly recommended. A company can also hide some trickery in their footnotes on their 10Ks or 10Qs. So it's a lot harder to hide the free cash flow. It's everything after all that stuff has been taken out. I'm sure most investors have heard of EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization. Free cash flow basically is what happens when they add some of that back in. So that's part of that famous Charlie Munger quote, isn't it? About when he sees EBITDA, he sees bullshit. <laughs> right, right. Okay. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or something to that effect, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's interesting, isn't it? So free cash flow is just basically money coming in. That's it. Money coming in, money coming out also. So mm-hmm. why I like free cash flow as an investor, why it's my favorite thing is that it could be used to enrich a shareholder. Mm. First and foremost, a company can reinvest it in itself, which can drive growth if management is efficient at growing the business by allocating capital appropriately. A company can also pay down some of its debt, especially some of the shorter term debt with higher interest rates. Now that rates are up higher than they were a year or two ago. Free cash flow can be used for acquisitions and takeovers without requiring leverage to take on more debt for a deal. One of my favorites, they can be used for paying dividends or growing those dividends even better. We love dividends. (laughs) Oh, we love growing dividends, especially if they outpace inflation. That's that's the best. That's the harvest that's provided by the companies (laughs) we invest in, isn't it? Yep, yep. But a lot of investors like Warren Buffett, for example, loves a company that buys back its shares because that's even more tax efficient. When a company gives out a dividend, it's like double taxation in a way. When it buys back its shares, it makes you as the shareholder own more of the company. And that's an interesting thing just to focus on for a moment is that a company with capital has several ways that it can allocate that capital. And I think you mentioned one is to do a buyback, which basically makes the value of each share left over worth a bit more. It can make acquisitions. It can pay out dividends. What's the relationship between those and free cash flow? Well, if a company has the cash, they can do whatever they want with it. And it makes them a lot more nimble in their operations. And you can see how shareholder-friendly a company is based on what they do with their free cash. Dividends for me are nice because it offers a commitment from management that they will be paying a portion of their earnings out to shareholders as a reward for being a shareholder. Presumably that requires a trust in management that they are going to manage this capital well. Yep, that's what you're doing. You're putting faith in management. When you're doing fundamental analysis, Management is the hardest thing to really quantify because it's very subjective. You're judging a person as opposed to a number and how a person allocates their capital, runs their business. Are they a good leader? Do you trust them? Those are kind of things that you need to intuit over time. And that's 
comes with a lot of studying of the markets and of people. One of the reasons why I like to watch CNBC is that they do have interviews with CEOs of stocks that I own. And so I could watch a CEO be grilled or take softball questions, depending on the reporter, of course, and see what their responses are. And it's almost like a game. Can you see if they're telling the truth? Do you see if they're confident in themselves and in their company and the future prospects of the company itself? Because CEOs are basically salespeople, aren't they? Uh, one of you their many keep, hats. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to keep that in mind as well. They want uh, visibility for their company. Yeah. Yeah. And no one wants to go on CNBC and explain their lousy quarter or the accounting irregularities that were basically another name for fraud that were uncovered by a previous journalist. I believe it's also important to look at the growth of free cash flow. It's not just you just don't look at one static number, but you look at that over a number of years. Tell us about that process. Free cash flow, just like any number that you're looking at doing analysis, you want to see growth in that area, just as you want to see earnings growth, revenue growth, share price growth, all of that comes into play. So if you see that a company is steadily growing its free cash flow over time, it's a good sense that they will continue to grow their share price. Earnings, of course, drive share price. That's a big saying, but free cash flow will certainly help move that along to a greater effect, in my opinion. This is one of the things that I've discovered is that when you're talking to people, and because they know that you've got a financial podcaster, in your case, you're an investor as well, I'm sure you get a lot of people coming up to you going, oh, what do you think of blah, blah, blah company? And I've realized now that the perfect response is, well, are they making money? <laughs> because there's so many companies on share markets and stock markets around the world that aren't even generating any income. Right. You look at the Ubers or the Snapchats of the world, and they get a lot of attention and they get a lot of press because a lot of people are using their products and services, but they ain't making any money. <laughs> so you have to believe that someday they will be profitable. And maybe Uber just started earning a profit recently, but you have to have faith that they will continue to be profitable and then grow that profit over time. An argument could be made that uh, Amazon was not profitable for so long, but if you actually look at the money that they were actually investing into R&D, into driving growth in the business through research and development, if you took that out, then they were very profitable. And so they were plowing all of the cash into building up the business over the long term. Right. And mm. that paid off over time. You had to be very patient for that to happen and go through some big downturns, especially when the bubble burst in the turn of the century here. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Investing in shares can be fun, but the paperwork isn't. My investing's been transformed since using ShareSite, the best portfolio tracking tool for investing. My portfolios are on ShareSite, and whenever I buy or sell, the trades are automatically recorded. I can see the dividends I'm receiving, and it helps me to work out my asset allocation. ShareSite are extending a special offer to listeners of this podcast, four months free on an annual premium plan. There's a seven-day free trial where you can experience the full power of ShareSite portfolio management. Go to ShareSite.com slash Stocks for Beginners and sign up now for a free trial before taking advantage of four free months. That's ShareSite.com slash Stocks for Beginners. And there's been a lot of expectations. Investors expect sometimes at a company like, say, Snapchat, for example, the support of the share price is basically only on those expectations that one day it will generate some money, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the same thing holds true for companies that are profitable. If you Mm. look at a, a Tesla or an NVIDIA, I mean, their PE ratio, their multiples are huge compared to a, a profitable company like Pfizer or an ExxonMobil. You know, you're paying 50, 100, 150 times of earnings in their share price compared to a boring, fuddy-duddy business like Pfizer or a Merck or a big pharma company. That Those are just cash-generating machines. And this is where companies can get hammered when interest rates, as we've seen recently, how interest rates have gone up and certain companies last year, (laughs) they seem to be be recovering at the moment, but certain companies last year were really hammered because suddenly these interest rate rises really did affect their cash flow. Yeah. And the price that investors were willing to pay for their future earnings. And so that expectation kind of withered a quick timeframe. And now those expectations are getting massive, especially for a handful of companies, especially that everybody's banking on the AI revolution here. And yeah, it's the latest trend, isn't it? It's the latest trend. You can get caught up in that and chase that. I'm sure a company like Pfizer is going to be using artificial intelligence to develop drugs, but it's not going to drive headlines like in NVIDIA or Tesla would. It's interesting, isn't it, that these stories come about and suddenly people get so excited about it and they think that the change is going to happen and they've got all these different scenarios. Oh, you've got to get into NVIDIA because they're going to be powering the AI revolution. Or I just heard about a Dutch company that actually makes the machines, that makes the chips that (laughs) NVIDIA uses and people are piling in on that. AMSL, I think, is the, the code for that one. There's hype and then the excitement seems to die down, doesn't it? Yeah. There's that crazy term called FOMO, which mm. <laughs> which is big, the fear of missing out, right? I think the hardest part of being an investor is the emotional aspect of it and not getting caught up in that craze. You know, to step away from the nitty gritty of the free cash flow for a minute, when you're dealing with emotions and you're dealing with a portfolio as an individual investor, Warren Buffett, it says, you don't have to swing at every pitch, right? So you can feel free to ignore the NVIDIAs and the Teslas of the world, and you'll do fine. Your portfolio rise 100% in six months. 
Maybe not. Maybe it will with a different stock. But FOMO drives up the number that people are willing to pay for the stock. And when people are willing to pay any price for a stock, no matter what, that's when bubbles start to form. And Hmm. we know what happens with bubbles. Can you share a real-life example of a company with impressive free cash flow growth and how that growth translates to good news for investors? Sure. So I have two here, and they both coincidentally have something to do with AI. (laughs) (laughs) Just by by the by. (laughs) Just by the by, right? There's Broadcom, which is more of a tangential way to play artificial intelligence. Here's a company that's growing its dividend by, I don't know, I think 17% a year or something like that, Mm. which I salivate over like Pavlov's dog there. But here we go. The last uh, four years of free cash flow for Broadcom, the ticker symbol is AVGO. In 2019, their free cash flow was $9.265 billion. Following year, $11.598 billion. 2021, $13.321 billion. And last year, $16.312 billion. Now, that was in the midst of a pandemic, and they're still growing their free cash flow. That sounds pretty appealing to me. Of course, the big dog itself is Apple. And you know from my past appearance on the show that I'm a big Apple fan. Apple is just their free cash flows numbers are staggering. In 2019, they did $58 billion. 2020, they did $73 billion. 2021, $92 billion. And last year, they did $111 billion in free cash flow. I mean, that's the GDPs of several countries. Mm, <laughs> that's just astonishing. Astonishing amounts just, of money. Yeah. That's just cash that they have available to do whatever they want with. It's very powerful. And so Apple is trading at a, a higher valuation than usual. It's around 29 times earnings, but you're getting $111 billion plus share buybacks. It's just, it's a growth machine, even as its growth seems to be slowing in other facets of its business, as far as iPhone sales, it's still bringing in the cash. So Apple are very fond of stock buybacks, aren't they? Which is great for investors. Yeah. And if you read Warren Buffett's shareholder letter from last year, He goes into the specifics on how without buying any more shares, his stake in the company has gotten bigger over time. And that makes Berkshire Hathaway more valuable and it makes his shareholders happy. But just being an Apple shareholder, you own more of a company and their float or the number of shares outstanding going down just makes every bit of earnings that more valuable. And again, that's an example of capital allocation, isn't it? Absolutely. Yep. A company can take out a debt to buy back shares. That's very common. But when interest rates were near zero, that would have been a good time to do it. And I think Apple was issuing debt at 0.5% or 1% interest rates. People were willing to pay for it in 2021 to buy back shares because they knew their shares were so much more valuable than whatever interest they would be paying on the debt. So that's a decision that a management would make, isn't it, about trading off the cost of interest on using their capital as opposed to deploying their free cash flow? Sure. Yeah. I mean, just as 
an individual investor can decide to use margin to buy shares that they think will appreciate more than the interest they're paying on the margin. Or even if you get a mortgage on your house and you pay the interest on the mortgage instead of paying cash on the house, because you know you can use the cash to put it in the market and get more return on your money. Can we just look a little bit more deeply at Broadcom? Where does Broadcom operate and earn its revenues? Broadcom is more of a hardware operator. They do a lot of modems. They're like the picks and shovels of the AI, to use an oft-quoted metaphor. That's why they're more of a tangential play, because they're doing kind of the -the behind-the-scenes work as opposed to the software in Microsoft with their OpenAI partnership or even NVIDIA with the chips. So how can beginners find and understand free cash flow data? Are there any easy-to-use tools or resources you recommend? Yes, certainly. My favorite is Yahoo Finance. It's the easiest one. You could just go on their financials tab and look at their free cash flow, and it'll show you. I think they have about five years of data, four or five years available for free. Morningstar is also a good one. And... Seeking Alpha. Isn't Morningstar's a subscription service though? Yeah, they'll give you maybe three years of data for free. If you want to go further, you'll have to pay for it. I think Seeking Alpha will have that information. I think any of the big sites would have that information freely available for at least the past few years. Carl, are there any other favorite ratios that you add to your investing recipe book? Yeah, when it comes to free cash flow, there are a couple that dig deeper into how efficient that free cash flow is being used or generated. So one of them is a free cash flow margin, and that you calculate by taking the free cash flow and you divide by the sales. And so that just shows you how much cash a company generates per dollar in sales or revenue. When you say sales, what is that particular number? So sales is the top line. That's the revenue. So if you're selling a, a widget, for $20, that would be $20. But then the earnings are how much it costs to generate that $20 sale. So it would take out salespeople, marketing, over any overhead costs for the business, so on and so forth. Can you give us a real life example of how free cash flow margin operates? You could take a company like Apple and you look at their sales and their free cash flow and come to bit of a calculation here. So their sales or the revenue were 94,836,000,000 over the last quarter. (laughs) Insane numbers. (laughs) And their free cash flow last quarter was 22,445,000,000, give or take. So you just divide 22,445 and 94,836, and you get about 24% as their margin for just free cash flow based on their revenue. And what does that say to you? That says that almost a quarter of every dollar that they bring in is going to free cash flow. And that says, yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Give me more. (laughs) Yeah. Even though this is not a recommendation to buy by any means, the right, general exactly. advice only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I own. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're a music tragic, Carl. And what song has helped you 
to more deeply understand investing. And I just want to say one of mine, there's a, an Australian song called I've Done All the Dumb Things. It's called <laughs> Dumb Things, but it's, the chorus goes, I've done all the dumb things. And for me, that's informed me up until quite recently. How about you? Yeah, that's a great one. For me, like we said at the beginning of the episode, uh, huge Beer Springsteen fan. And I hear all the time that the stock market is a casino, right? Or it's like gambling. So for me, Bruce Springsteen's song Atlantic City is very apt. Atlantic City is a, a huge gambling town in New Jersey in the States, Bruce Springsteen's home home state. And in my opinion, investing is not gambling if you approach it the right way. As we kind of went into throughout the episode, as an investor, you own shares in a real business, right? You're not going to the blackjack table and giving your money to the house. You're buying a piece of a real business, making real products and services. And you usually have a long-term goal of getting a good return on that investment. If you're a day trader or a speculator, that's gambling in a way. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you understand that you're speculating, that you're betting on something to happen, an outcome to happen, whether it's a good earnings report or the Federal Reserve rising interest rates or a recession to happen. But if you're investing, you're not gambling. You're actually investing in the future of business. And I find that very rewarding. And I'm happy to be an investor in many of the companies I own. Because they're working on your behalf, aren't they? They are. And anytime somebody buys an iPhone, I'm getting a very, 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 very small part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The numbers seem eye-watering. I saw a tweet this morning that said that Google started with a check for $100,000 and now Alphabet generates $100,000 every 18 seconds. Man, it's staggering when you see how the world economy has shaped itself. The fact that we're able to do a podcast in different time zones on the other side of the world just goes to show how much of a global economy this is. And so to own a piece of a business that's generating sales throughout the world to enrich people's lives is quite a nice thing to do. So tell us about your Twitter handle, because we can find out more about this particular thread on your Twitter feed and American Dream Investing. Yeah, I'm really enjoying posting on Twitter. I try to post something new every day. Do we call it Twitter anymore? Is it X now? Oh, X. It? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm always going to call it Twitter unless they convince me it's worth my while otherwise. My handle is the Carl Kaufman. I try to share some wisdom from others, whether it's a Warren Buffett quote or a funny quote from Charlie Munger or from someone else. I try and break down complicated concepts of investing in short bite-sized pieces so that it's easy to understand. And I try to make it entertaining and amusing and you'll get my opinions and commentary on what's going on in the markets. And sometimes my own portfolio too. And American Dream Investing? Where can listeners find out more? Yeah, AmericanDreamInvesting.com is where you could find my email list. And I also have a premium membership where 
I basically pull back the curtains and show all members what stocks are in my portfolio, how it's comprised, and I send text message and email alerts every time I make a trade. Uh, I just bought some shares today, and they could see how a long-term active investor manages a portfolio over time. Carl Kaufman, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure having you back on. Thank you, Phil. Looking forward to uh, talking to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to Stocks for Beginners. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.